Hi folks, welcome along to this week's episode of Soundtracking with me, Edith Bowman. I hope all was well in your world. I had a fun week popping up to Edinburgh for the TV festival. It's like speed dating for TV execs. Um, I was lucky enough to host a panel with some of the creative team behind the crime, which was thoroughly entertaining. But back to this week's episode and this week and next, we're focusing on a couple of little independent films, both out in cinemas on the 1st of September. Mercy Falls director Ryan Hendricks will have next week, but this week uh, the feature film debut from one of the best actors in the UK, Neil Maskell. Now he's a regular in the world of Ben Wheatley and has now delivered a fantastic debut film called Clockenlider. But before that, as I said, uh, both Clockenlider and Mercy Falls hit cinemas this Friday and we like nothing more than encouraging new film fans to watch incredible stories on the big screen. Well, to celebrate National Cinema Day, this Saturday, the 2nd of September, View is making tickets £3 for the whole day. And some of the amazing guests that we've featured on the podcast will be making an appearance. So maybe you missed the chance to see them at the time, or I don't know, you fancy going back again to watch Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, then listen to Composal Daniel Pemberton talk about the amazing music, or what about Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny? So perfect on the big screen that you'll want to listen to director James Mango tell us how he did it. New titles out this week also include The Equaliser and Cobweb. Uh, and they can be seen for the first time this weekend or those big summer movies like Barbie and Oppenheimer are still showing. And you can see them for £3. £3! T's and C's apply. So head to view.com for all the films you can see on the big screen this National Cinema Day at View for just £3. There's something for everyone. Back to Neil then. And what's lovely about this week's episode is talking to someone who himself has appeared many times on the big screen, but has taken his first step into directing with Clock and Line. Now, I keep saying it wrong, but Neil will explain how it's pronounced properly. I can't really say too much about the film apart from it's a dark comedy thriller with cracking performances and a pitch-perfect score from Andy Petit, who you might know from the British band The Shortwave Set. And so we'll begin with a cue from Andy's score. Thanks so much for joining me, uh, Neil and Andy, to talk about um, your film. Can you can you say the title? Because I've got about five different ways that I say it. Well, I say clock and ladder. Oh, the, did you do the ladder? I just do the ladder. Clock and ladder. Well, I used to say clock and ladder, but then Sura got in the end. I, I, she got really fed up of it and said, "It's ladder, ladder." It means bell ringer, doesn't it? I thought it was whistleblower, but it's actually bell ringer. So, I mean, people with Scottish accents, I can get away with murder pretty much, but by just kind of doing it with a really broad Scottish accent and it's like, oh yeah, that sounds fine. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, but congratulations. God, I loved watching it. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 
Neil, now when I saw you last by an outdoor swimming pool. Yeah, which makes us both sound much more fitness conscious than maybe we are. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, were you in the middle of filming or about to start filming? No, I think we'd finished because okay. what's funny about that was uh, on t- in terms of the soundtrack is I remember talking to you about, you know, because I knew you did the podcast, which I like a lot, and I was like, oh, and I've got Andy, and I thought you were probably familiar with a shortwave set and stuff, and so I was talking about it. But at that point, the score that I was describing was, I think, score number three of 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who are you, Andy? There were, there, yeah, there were, it's fair to say there were iterations. <laughs> Not, it was all because, I, I mean, I loved literally all of it, but it was more like, you know, a, a sort of, you were looking for a real consistency as like one piece, weren't you, almost? And and it was about that as well as us finding what worked yeah just finding a palette really and that was the that was you know you kind of you, you kind of go all over the place initially just kind of trying to find the right tone for it and um, but the problem is this this bugger liked all of it so I, so so i was none the wiser really yeah. um but but yeah we felt we, we stumbled on something eventually if iteration 17 i think it was yeah yeah i know you'd had enough by that <laughs> I think that's a really good idea, though, of kind of almost like a film having different score options. So, you know, like how, like almost like as a DVD extra is like, here's actually option. Do you know what I mean? Of kind of Hang some on. People- what you wanted me to, to actually finish all 17 scores. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, and I, you know, I, I'm sure Andy might have very different feelings about this, but like, I always. It took a long time to get the film made and a long time to get to direct something and to make something. And I was working with loads of people who I'd wanted to work with, you know, for a significant portion of my life. And Andy's one of those. You know, we're very close friends and I admire his work since I was a teenager. And I wanted everyone's everything. And and I knew I wouldn't be able to use all of it. But it's like some of the... The experience has to be more than the films. It's a British film. No one's yeah. going to see it. We know that. You know, I, I, even the films I've done that have been really successful and well regarded, a very tiny amount of people have seen it because it's very hard to get an audience. So the experience, I always wanted to get as much from it creatively and, you know, as, as I could. And, you know, so, okay, there was loads of music that maybe we didn't end up in the finished film, but it exists. You know, joking aside, I'm, I, I, for me, kind of doing a score for the first time, whilst the outcome was obviously important, uh, the process, I wanted to enjoy the process of doing it and obviously learn quite a lot while I was doing it. And, um, and I did that and kind of thrashing around and trying different styles and different ideas and stuff. You know, a lot of people would, would like apologise. Neil, particularly, be like, oh, "I'm really sorry, mate." You know, can we can we have another? And and but it was it was really not a problem for me. And coming from the background of being in a band and kind of working with A and R guys, it's not an unfamiliar experience, <laughs> really. You know, oh, you need to do something else. You need to try this. You need to change that. You know, I mean, so so that side of it was 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 absolutely cool. And and as Neil said, I I did it because. You know, I love Neil and, and, and as I say, we've, we've known each other a long time and we've always supported each other's work and, 
And I just did it for the, for the process of doing it and for working with Neil and kind of um, being involved in something exciting. So I don't mind there was 20 scored. I can't believe it's the first time you've done a score. I have been asked a couple of times um, and or kind of approached about things. I won't say too much, but Edgar Wright was speaking to me at one point about something because um, he was quite a big supporter of the band. And, um, and, but no, you know, for whatever reason, time, money, dare I say, um, uh, availability, it just didn't happen. So, um, but always, always something I, I wanted to do, although, you know, the prospect of it, as with anything you do the first time is a bit daunting, but you know, you, you, I thought I was in a safe space with, uh, with, with Neil, um, yeah. which was perfect to kind of do my first one. Where did the journey start for, for you, Neil? Where did the idea come from and, and, you know, kind of writing this as well as, as directing it? Well, I mean, I've all, you know, I've, I've written for years and years, yeah. and, you know, uh, things have got close and haven't come off or we, and that clock and litter wasn't the film I thought would get the funding. You know, I've been close with a couple of TV projects that I thought were much more likely to get made than this really weird film that I've written, you know. Weird's good, though. Weird's brilliant. I'm glad you think so. You know, <laughs> uh, you haven't got any money you want to give me make another film of it. Um, <laughs> I'll start but, a crowdfunder for you. So, yeah, yeah, you know how that works. So, yeah, I, I, you know, that was obviously something I always wanted to do. And, um, and I've always, you know, I've been writing for years and I've directed sort of a lot of theatre as a younger man and stuff and training actors. But then the actual story, I was in... I was away with Soros, my wife, who also plays um, the lead in the, the, the film, plays Silka in the film, in a house in the middle of nowhere in, in Belgium with Mark Adol. And it was with a group of our friends. It was at the beginning of our relationship, um, or just like a year in or something, years ago. And I, I had quite a difficult time where I didn't realise there was a lot of sort of fractures in the friendship. Everyone was talking Flemish, so I didn't realise that. So what, you know, artistic ego, I just assumed no one liked me and it was all about me, you know. So I, I was, I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't really, I didn't really have anyone to talk to and I couldn't really work out what was going on. So I started sort of sketching. Brilliant. An idea and just some voices and I could see people in the landscape talking to each other, just, you know, another couple or whatever. And I was like, there was something quite haunting and there was like an air of foreboding about the land. And I thought, what's coming? <laughs> what's coming? Whatever's coming is bad. And then, you know, the characters start to come. And I, I tend to write just characters for a while and see if they go anywhere. And then it came from that, really. For me, you've now added to that kind of mystery of, of certain films where there's an unanswered question. You know, like Inception with the spinning wheel, uh, Pulp Fiction with, the, with the, what's in the, the briefcase sort of thing. We've now added to that in terms of what does he know? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah there is that. What is it? What? Yeah, like... Some people find that for it's actually interesting, isn't it? And it probably does go to like we're understanding a lot more, aren't we, about the kind of conditions and, and, and conditioning that makes us up. There seems to be, you know, I'm starting to really you look up things about, you know, why do I leave open cupboard doors or why don't I have time to do that? Do you know what I mean? And uh, the yeah. what 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 issues, psychological issues you've got. But that thing of needing to know what the thing is in the book, film or whatever, mm -hmm. or not needing to know. Like I don't need no, it doesn't wind me up. Yeah. I 
gets so angry about it. <laughs> if he doesn't know, if he don't find out, or there's he's like that, he's ridiculous. That is, I've watched that whole thing now. You know, he feels like <laughs> he the time off him. Call that a film. <laughs> you know, Howard Barker said it is not to insult an audience to offer it ambiguity. You know, and I really believe in that. ambiguity of plot. So I like that. I love it. I love it too. It's great because it's your imagination. It's kind of like it can only be the the reality can only be a letdown yes. based on the fears you can generate in your imagination. You know, and yeah. every time you think about it, it could be another iteration of what you thought it was the last time. It's brilliant. Where you know this journey then that the score had across these many potential <clears throat> scores. There's a real confidence, though, I think, in terms of what the score does, because as well as it having a, a really beautiful and brilliant part of the the emotion and the mood of the film, it's also where it's not there in terms of those choices of where you have no score um, and no sound, which can be as powerful, I think, as well. And making those choices, I imagine, can sometimes be hard because I guess the easy option is to just, oh, well, let's stick score on that. But actually, by not, you're kind of almost making it more powerful in a way. But what were the kind of conversations? I mean, we had kind of discussed kind of ideas of, at, at the start. And I, I was actually getting, uh, and I, I don't think this is really very common, but I, I had kind of access to the dailies, like as they were shooting, like I, I would kind of see what they were doing while they were making it. So I'd actually just grab bits of things that, you know, without Neil even saying anything and just pull it into my kind of computer and start messing around with it. Obviously we discussed like specific cues later, but I think, you know, Neil kind of talked about voices. One of the things he talked about early on was, was kind of voices and, you know, not necessarily singing. So I kind of sampled quite a lot of voices myself. I sampled um, Ulrika, my better half, who was also in the band. And then I just started manipulating those sounds. And then I kind of, then at some point I started thinking about having like a voice for each character and kind of having four different voices. And sometimes they'd all be together and sometimes they wouldn't be. And I, and I kind of really just kind of slowed them down. So there was this really kind of processed choir that kind of, you know, um, that I think really is at the center of it, you mm. know, like it kind of recurs in a lot of the cues. And that was something that Neil kind of responded to you know when you have conversations about music you know it is a little bit that dancing about our architecture type thing you know like it's quite difficult to actually put your finger on what conversations actually mean yeah until until, until you hit on something but um yeah so i mean it was the voices i think probably first that kind of were the consistency between a number of the different cues and just trying to make it as odd as possible really the same as being in the band, you know, like the, the nature of the band was all about kind of texture and kind of keeping things quite dusty and kind of organic, but kind of manipulated. So I did kind of take that into this and, you know, and, and I wanted it to kind of sound odd. And, 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 and I, think, I, think, I think we managed that. There's a couple of like cues that I, I just jotted down that I wanted to talk about specifically, if that's all right, if you don't mind. I mean, it's so there's moments where it's, it's really, the tone of it's really clever as well, Neil, in terms of it's really funny at bits, like really properly hilarious. And then it's dark as fuck and it's, it's just brilliant. It's like so good. But 
the fork in the back for the itch thing just had me like, and I spat like my tea out when I was watching that. It's just so funny. And the choice of only seeing them in the rear view mirror, you know, and from the back and that kind of choice, that's not really a music thing, but just that kind of that, kind of choice of how you've shot that is so great as well and it adds the kind of mystery and you're almost trying to peer in as a viewer as to kind of find out more and get closer to them in a way a bit mad that hmm? i hope it drives the audience a bit mad it it should like exactly what you just did that thing can you eat this fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs> trying to get That's in like you're almost like you're in the car when you're looking around to yeah, actually go exactly. sorry what did you say kind of thing like if you're yeah. in the back seat yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the idea. They yeah. call it French reverse, don't they? That's the, you know, because they say that that that, that it's very French to be like this. Boof. <laughs> that's the kind of that's apparently where the French reverse comes from. Love it. But when he's um, when he's had too much wine and he's looking in the mirror after too much red wine, that cue is like, oh my God, that's like, that's brilliant. Yeah, I think I think there's just so, you know, as as um, as I mentioned with the voices, so there's just the one voice there and that's obviously the Glynn voice. And um, that voice is often like one of the lower ones in the, in the register, you know, just because, you know, in many ways, he appears to be the most menacing figure um on, on amongst the ensemble but so he's in the mirror and then it cuts to her in the car so it kind of had to pick up a little bit of pace you know as it as it kind of progressed from his dark night of the soul into into her kind of speedily traveling towards um the, the destination so i think that was one of the i guess the interesting challenges was was to kind of you don't you don't necessarily think when you start doing these things about kind of cuts but mm-hmm. music kind of music uh being consistent across a cut but yet having to make sense with both kind of scenarios yeah um so um yeah i mean i'm glad you glad you like it but yeah. i mean it was it was it was yeah i just i just kind of had this sense of the thing is, when you've got a sample, when you've got a voice and it's three seconds long and you stretch it so that it's eight seconds long or nine seconds long, it starts to degrade. Mm-hmm. Like when you stretch it out, it starts to degrade. And I kind of, you know, without wishing to sound too pretentious, like the kind of the, the, the disintegration of the sound as it kind of progresses, progresses, kind of like started he's... to feel quite relevant to kind yeah. of other sorts of disintegration.
Roger Evans is, I mean, his performance in that, for this character is extraordinary. It's like, and that when they're playing charades as well, when you kind of like, you, you sort of, you know, you feel a bit sorry for him and then suddenly you're like, oh my God. It's like, yeah. it's like whoa. I hope that performance gets another. It's oh. extraordinary. It would be a real crying criminal shame if he doesn't get some sort of recognition. For Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, and like the, there's a shot as well where it's just as like your, his eyes, you're really, it's quite a close up of his face and you're just, you can't stop watching his eyes and, you see so much in those kind of few seconds of just that kind of close up in his face. It tells you it's, mm. it's still oh, driving the narrative. It's amazing. I mean, it, the way he flips, like when he flips on you and when they're on the patio, yeah. you're like, Oh, yeah. you know, like, so he could, he, he, you know, yeah. he can break your heart and frighten you. And that is a very, very rare thing for an actor to have both of those, you know, like for free, what we call for free, you know, he can, he can yeah. do, yeah, I mean, he's a really. It was interesting all the way through the, the process of trying to raise the money and stuff. Obviously, Roger was not a, a, as exciting a name to the people who were financing it um, because you know that it's the scale of who is known, and that is really is it. Yeah. But any actor that we spoke to, you know, mm-hmm. was like really exciting. I'm sure one of the main reasons Tom chose to do it was so that he could work closely with Roger. He was a big fan of his work. You know, he's known other actors. An actor's like, actor really is he's mm. the very definition of that. Yeah, you know, a few of them about, and I'm I'm glad the cue as well where there's um we don't hear the dialogue because they're they're revealing the what they know, so we don't hear that dialogue and stuff. And that cue, I please don't take this as a as a in a, any kind of derogatory way, but it sounds a bit like burping in terms of kind of almost, but like or like you like kind of, you know, that sort of idea of kind of regurgitation almost in a way sort of thing. Yeah, I just thought that was really powerful. That was one that um, I think was done quite early. And yeah. like, we, it was one of the first, the first ones where unusually for this, um, for this process, I was told not to change it. Uh, it was like, <laughs> no, don't change that. Um, and, uh, and, but I still did. I, I did go back to it just in a minor way, just for consistency reasons, as mm-hmm. kind of for the, for the way the other cues had developed. There were kind of elements I wanted to add into it, but that kind of woodblock percussion as well. That's kind of in that in that section, but then very kind of you know, there's there's it's a lot of delay used in it as well, and I, I think I kind of maybe thought about the delay as kind of the bouncing of, of impossible things to comprehend, like going around people's brains and, yeah. and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's such a significant um, reveal that it certainly would make you burp, wouldn't it? At the very, <laughs> at, the very at the very least. I feel bad for saying it now. I didn't mean it like that. It's just like you might do a little sick as well, you know, like you know. Oh, just a wee bit of like hot acid that comes yeah, up in the back. Yeah, a little bit of hot, yeah. hot, hot acid yeah. reflux.
Yeah, there's all there's all different kinds. I mean, I haven't spoken to Andy about this, but for me, there was all different kinds of pulse to it. That the idea of the pulse sort of recurs, even when it's with different instrumentation or in different contexts. I used a yeah an old an eight hundred eight drum machine and just kind of used that for the for the pulse, but as I say, with a delay in it and. And I think for the, the I'll have one glass, I just kind of let the, it just actually only hits once, but the other hits are all kind of delays. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking about there. Maybe impending drunkenness. I think what I should say as well is a couple of things, because we, we, while we go around this, one is that we keep saying the band, and the band is the short wave set. This is not a promo, mate, but, uh, but, but, but I'm grateful. Thank you. Listen, we've got to, yeah, totally. Absolutely, um, get it out there. I know you wouldn't uh, be blowing on <laughs> trumpet, but I will, because those two albums are extraordinarily, uniquely fragile, beautiful pieces of work that are, are really important to me. And also, just how funny it is, because of our personal relationship, Edith, and I think this is something that will come up with anyone who collaborates with people who are mates. One of the things that can be tricky, uh, Andy said it, oh, without sounding pretentious, he said, and that fear of pretentiousness when you're talking to your pal. Yeah. You know, any kind of artistic or creative endeavour. And we are murder, me and him. We're going, well, I was thinking in terms of, you know, like, uh, you know, he's a bit sad. <laughs> yeah. Just not wanting to get anywhere near what it actually might be really about, you know, coming from the skull. No, we, we, Andy, <laughs> the we've, both, that- we've both spent some time in boozers where, where you wouldn't want to... Uh, <laughs> You wouldn't want to get into that sort of thing, otherwise you'd end up lynched in the back garden. So, so. That's why you need to have those conversations. Yes. You <laughs> yeah, no, but it is quite funny how much we, we'll, we'll sort of slowly move up to that kind of subject yeah. matter and just back away, even in collaboration. But, you know, what arrives, I think, is is the understanding that comes from knowing that we both have those thoughts, you know. Yeah. Really have vocalism can i also say as well how brilliant it is to see some like bull up on like netflix's number one watched film polls for it's so brilliant it's like i mean it's i thought it's fantastic you know i think that that's kind of it's it's so brilliant when when that kind of when something's just kind of i don't know gets the it's dominating the streaming services at the moment there we go it's brilliant it's though as well unprecedented industry-wide strike what a result what a time <laughs> to have a hot streak <laughs> <laughs> My agent's staring at her. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm the villain in Ijack on Apple, and I'm the lead in the number one film on Netflix. No one's making anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's fairly, you know, pretty typical, I would say. But, but when you've like when you've worked, you know, as in terms of coming into the world as a, of, of directing and stuff as well, and just having worked with such brilliant brilliant people over years and also that relationship you've got with Ben with Ben Wheatley you know kind of over so many brilliant brilliant productions I mean I recently rewatched Happy New Year Colin Bursted which was just fantastic kill list you know all of them and stuff as well has that been have you been kind of do those experiences kind of um do you hold on to moments of that of learning stuff as well to take forward for you as a director when you want to storytell and you know starting to tell your own stories oh yeah and that like very directly lifting Ben's thing of shooting a, a on script and off script. You know, that's just directly work with him. That's what he did. That's what I do. He's doing that from the 
you know, re- I always did improvisation on the end when I was shooting my short and stuff on the end of takes. But the idea of just going off script for a take and the, the history that that then gives you to, for the next time, that came from Ben. And I just do that because he did it and I like it. So that's a real directing. No, I just nicked that bit of the way he worked. The best directors that I've worked with, and there's Paul Andrew Williams, you know, Lewis Arnold, Kieran Hawkes, Jared Johnson, Ben Wheatley, innumerable, China Moon Young, it's amazing directors. It's mainly they want to see what you're going to do. Yeah. And they're excited by the discovery of that. And from there we grow. And that's how I try to work on Clock and Little with everyone. Because I'm not, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I, I'm like, <laughs> really? You know, no one does today. So I, I just go to the, a great DP. Like, what, what are we thinking? You know, and the yeah. film totally changed because of the way Nick was, was shooting it. Everything changed. The music changed. The way that it was conceived was changed. The fact that we didn't reveal the secret was changed, by the way, that Nick. No way. <laughs> yes. yes. It was there um, at one point. He gave it a scale that I, I didn't necessarily think it was going to have. And that, that shifted the importance of the story which was something that was actually thrown away a little bit. And now I was like, oh, no, if we don't tell him, it's actually really important. I would also want to mention Martin Pavey. Like, I obviously, I knew his work and and, and to get to work with him and to, um, you know, we, actually I've spent a few days at his studio. And in some ways, the, the stuff I was doing was had elements of sound design. And I've always thought his sound design has elements of music to it. You know, totally. like he's kind of atonal kind of stuff. So that was a real pleasure, you know, to work with Martin. And um, he was couldn't have been nicer <laughs> in terms of sharing the benefits of his wisdom. So that was an absolute joy and a privilege to get that opportunity as well from my perspective. I was just going to say that that relationship between the kind of the sound team and, and the music team is so important, isn't it, as well? In terms of when they kind of both are helping with textures of the film. Yeah, there's the, the, the queue um, where the boys are driving off the ferry and the gate, uh, there's a gate opening. Um, and you, I think you see Flo for the first time. Um, <clears throat> that is a real mixture of Martin and my work kind of just kind of weaving in and out of mm. each other. And, and um, you know, he's... He's just his abrasiveness, like you know, when he kind of drops in these really abrasive textures, and 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 and, and another part of the process that was really instructive was doing the mix, you know, and and um, doing that with Neil and Martin and Jason was really interesting, actually. And we went over to Twickenham, didn't we, Neil, and did the thing in the the screening uh, cinema over there and kind of mixed it and. Yeah, he would always kind of, you know, Martin always wants to, you know, push it, you know, make mm-hmm. it louder, make it more, you know, and Neil was very much like that as well. More, 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 you know, make it, make it nastier, make it more abrasive, you know, and um, and so having that experience, you know, obviously Martin's deeply experienced guy was was invaluable in that. Although the thing I always remember about doing that more than Twickenham Studios, which is a beautiful day, because it's the old studio, you know, and we were big screen. Again, when you're a long time trying to get a film made and then you get to do that with people who you love and whose work you admire so much, it's just... Oh, yeah. ...measure what that gives to my life, you know? Yeah, 100%. The day I remember 
more than that even was when I was mixing with Martin and, and Andy was on score 13.4. <laughs> he uh, he was coming up the stairs and he was a bit fed up by this <laughs> point. And Martin and him were chatting and I was sort of a little bit shame-faced because I'd asked him once again to change things at the last time. Asked me once again to do the whole score again. And um, <laughs> as he was coming up the stairs, Martin was explaining something he hadn't done and he said, uh, he went, oh yeah, so I'm sorry, I think there's a bit of a skills gap there. Andy, as Andy come up, he went out oh, talking to skills gaps, mascot. <laughs> <laughs> Push my luck too far here. But that was great as well, just the, the ability to, and, and work, again, working with mates. But Martin, you know, he's, he dropped into it very easy. The ability to kind of rip each other a little bit is, yeah. is it's, it's extremely It's a tense yeah. situation, so you need those moments of kind of like, oh, like fuck. <laughs> But yeah, as Neil says, the experience of doing these things, like I said at the start, you know, the process, and, and I, mean, I mean each part of the process, you know, from inception to delivery was just a real education and, and yeah, experiences that, you, that you're just delighted to have had the chance to have. Um, Neil, I hope that there's more to come on this side of your, you know, your kind of career in terms of, of storytelling in this way, because it's it's bloody brilliant. So I hope that you um you've got another another one in the pipeline. I have, yeah. Good. I really hope so. Again, you've got it's not not easy to get them, yeah. Out, but fingers crossed. And thanks, thank you very much for having us on. And oh my god, are you kidding? Don't be daft. It's so nice to kind of. Well, I remember when we had that conversation, and then when when I was like, oh my god, brilliant, yes. Yeah. Talk about open air swimming pools. No, it's not. <laughs> you pairing your open air swimming pools, honestly. <laughs> no, I was not opening a swimming Yeah, we pool. weren't. Neither of us were swimming, I don't think. I went think. to Charlton Lido once. Does oh, I love count? a Lido. Yeah. I'll yeah. swim in anything, me, honestly. Yeah. My kids are like, Mum, it's a puddle. Don't even think about it. Um, and Andy, what about in terms of, you know, this first experience of, of kind of scoring stuff? And we kind of, you know, we joke about the kind of, you know the the journey of it as well, and it, it is about you've got to you, you know you're you've kind of almost got it. It's so interesting talking to composers because it's that idea where you have got to you're providing this your creativity is part of this collaboration and this journey. You know, it's not for you; it's for it's for the film, it's for the story and stuff like that. But I hope it's it's been something that's encouraging you that to do more of this. Yeah, I, I'd love to love to do it again. I re I really would, and and yeah, it, yeah, I do think you know you have to kind of cross that threshold of kind of understanding that, oh, you know, you while you are kind of servicing, you know, requirements and what people are asking, you know, or, or, or you know, kind of suggesting that they want, they also do want your creativity. Yeah. It's like, you you know, and, and then you have to, you know, you, you know that kind of cerebrally, you know it, but kind of it's kind of hard to kind of, no, I'm just going to do this, you know, and, and they'll love it, you know, or, or I think this is the way to go. You have to kind of get into that space where you kind of gain the confidence to kind of go, no, I can add something to this yeah. by doing this, you know, and kind of gaining the confidence to to not just kind of trying to, oh, I hope they like this or I think this is what they want or, you know, and just, you know, just trying to be too pleasing, if you know yeah. what I mean. Mm -hmm. And so, again, that was, a, that was yeah, part of the education but yeah i'd love to do it again um i'd particularly love to do it again with neil um, yeah i'm doing um, it again he's doing it again awesome it's great those relationships are important you know in terms of where you find that kind of rhythm with each other and 
Um, it's been great to talk to Ben about that, in fact. You also think that you can do it better next time, you know, and although that you, that you learn and, you th- and um, so, yeah, you, you'd hope to get the chance to do it again. Well, in the meantime, people can go and listen to um, Replica Sun Machine and the Deck Collection in the meantime. So, you know, for sure. Can they? Is Deck Collection... Oh, no. Unless they've got the vinyl or the CD at home. No, well... Actually, the, there is some business machinations with the deck collection that um, it's being, um, it's home or the people that own it, that's in the process of changing. Okay. Um, so uh, it will be reevaluated. It's, it's down at the moment, the deck collection, but it will be returning to a streaming well, service near you. I can hear the fondness that you have for the people that own it. Oh man, don't. Honestly. We can have a conversation. Why don't you? Why don't we, when that's all sorted out, and it's got a new home, come back on and we can talk about that. Man, I would love to do that, Edith. That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, there, there may. There, I mean, you know, there, there may be. You know, I've been saying this for a few years now, but there may be some more shortwave set music at some point. But, um, but, but, but. Um, there's a lot of things that there may be. Okay. You know, there's loads. There's loads of things. You know, I, I was, you know, thinking about kind of talking to you to, today. You know, it is, it is difficult for musicians. You know, at the moment, and I think in, you know the idea of kind of having a lot of different strings to your bow is 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 kind of so crucial. Yeah. You know, and I kind of tell that to a lot of young producers and stuff. You know, just yeah. make music, and it can yeah. it can be an album, it can be for a film, it can be for a video game, but just make music yeah and that's what i'm continuing to try and do awesome oh listen thank you so much for your time today so great to chat to you and i'm so grateful that i get to to um, talk to you about the film and, and also just what's you know down the road as well thanks neil thanks andy it's great to chat to you both. thanks edith piece of score there from Andy Petit from Clockenlider. Every time I say that word, I'm going to say it different. Clockenlider is in cinemas now and I highly recommend that you get along to see it and support British independent film. My huge thanks to Neil and Andy for taking the time to chat to me. It was an absolute treat to get to enthuse about their brilliant collaboration and I very much look forward to what comes next for them. If you like what you hear, we really appreciate you spreading the word about the podcast. You can follow us on socials. We are at Soundtracking UK and also check out our YouTube channel where we have loads of content that I'm constantly trying to update as much as I possibly can. Uh, Join us next week then as we continue our celebration of new independent film as I'm joined by the director of Mercy Falls, Ryan Hendrick. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.